The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. I am really thankful to be here. I am just so grateful for the invitation. I could also go on a long time about what a blessing Jim is to OC and to my life at OC. He is a wonderful leader and you are very blessed um, that he was with this congregation. I think so much of him. Um, but this morning, uh, in your series on, um, on uh, spiritual disciplines, Brett had asked me uh, to talk about the subject of feasting and fasting. And this is a subject that I have thought a lot about because both figure uh, in very interesting ways uh, in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, but also they are ones that are often, at least in the way they are absorbed uh, by our contemporary Christian uh, culture, they are often understood in ways that are a little bit different from the way they're actually portrayed in Scripture. And so I'd like to bring those together, and I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat what my uh, point is this morning is that feasting and fasting are spiritual disciplines that enable us, prompt us, and encourage us to focus on other people, and particularly those at the margins of society. And as I've sat here this morning, as I was in a part of Ben's class and then listening to the announcements this morning and all the things that you all are doing as a church, the songs that we sing, really everything that, that I have experienced since I walked in the door this morning tells me that this is a place that is motivated, understands the importance of reaching out to the community. This is central to who we are as the people of God. And so this morning as we open the, the scriptures, I, my, my prayer is that uh, the lesson that we have this morning will simply be a further encouragement, an underscore to what you're already doing and that it will, it will provide um, maybe further motivation to be involved in this very important, essential work of the Lord in this place. Before we start, <clears throat> and as we get into this, I would like to read to you something that crossed my social media on January the 5th. I mean, I'm sorry, on July the 5th. The day after July 4th, which was on the calendar probably the last big day of celebration and gatherings that we have experienced as a culture. But I thought this was, I think it was posted, I hope this was posted to be funny. <laughs> uh, if not, we're in even more trouble than I thought. But I think it is a, a kind of a good introduction. It says, Remember on the morning of July 5th to please keep your dogs and children quiet. Some of us have been up all night shooting off fireworks. <laughs> Make of that what you will. But when I read this, I thought that is so interesting because it, in a kind of a humorous way, puts the finger on where we find ourselves a lot of times. It just simply we are so busy doing our own thing that a lot of times we just don't notice other people's needs. Or we're, we're so wrapped up in our own celebrating 
that we don't really stop to think about who is around us. And it also points uh, to the fact that sometimes um, we don't have an awareness that our actions impact other people. And all of these things, it, it's this awareness of who's around us. It's the awareness of who is in need. It's the awareness of who is suffering that really is at the core of what should be motivating us as the people of, of God who have received such great of the love of the Father, right, that we just sang about, um, to share that with others. And so the plan for this morning, I'd like to go through three scriptures with you. One is in Deuteronomy, one is in Isaiah, and one is in the Gospel of Luke. And each of these speak to the notion of either fasting or feasting, and I think you will see the common thread both in the law in the mouth of the prophets, and in Jesus himself. They are all saying the same thing. So the first one in the book of Deuteronomy is found in the 14th chapter, and it's in the context of a passage on tithing. And what we normally think of as the tithe, right, it's the tenth, uh, the 10 percent, or a tenth of what we have that we give back. But what sometimes we don't think about is, okay, so at least in as far as the Hebrew Bible goes and the Deuteronomic law, what was that for? And this is one of the passages that talks to us about what it is. And so the beginning of the passage talks about how to gather the tenth, how to bring it to the place that the Lord will choose. And if it's too far away, then that can be sold for silver. And then when you get to the place that the Lord will choose, you can buy whatever it is you want. Because the point is to have this big celebration, this, this big party, if you will, for, and listen to what it's, this is the very end of that passage. And at the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Lord, <clears throat> so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own and the foreigners the fatherless, the widows who live in your town may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you and all the work of your hands. Isn't that interesting? That the whole idea of the tithe was to provide an opportunity for everyone to come at this place that God would designate and to have this big celebration so that everybody <laughs> could participate and in particular the ones who are named are the ones that don't have either anything or as much. The Levites, because they don't have an allotment, they, they don't have what other, others do. But no, the other ones that are mentioned are the widows, the fatherless, right? Those who are on the outsides, the people that would be easy not to see. Because you know how it is when you're in the midst of a big celebration, right? A lot of times the people that are there are people that you know. There are people that you expect to be there. They're the people that have the provisions to come. They're the people who can bring food. They're the people who have transportation. They're the people who can get there. They're the people who have time, right? It's, it's, it's a, a, a group of expected people. But the reality is, both in Deuteronomy and in our own day, is that there's a lot of people who don't have this. There are a lot of people who don't have fathers. There are a lot of people who don't have any family left. There are a lot of people who don't have the money. 
there are a lot of people who don't have the means or even the knowledge of such kind of celebration. And so what about them? What are they supposed to do? And what the Lord does, I think just so graciously, and it's such a thing of God, is to provide a space, to provide a time, a set time. And as Deuteronomy tells us, you know, every third year, you, you bring everything and you be, you're to be sure that all of the people, including those you don't normally see, or maybe those who don't have anything, can come and be present and enjoy and have their fill. Everyone is included. That's the thing I love about the kingdom of God. It is for everybody. Everybody gets to come. Nobody is left out, right? That's why we have celebrations, right? It's not just for us. It's for everybody. Isn't that great? Nobody's left out. In the book of Isaiah, which is at a, written at a very different time and place, it is a time, uh, at least in the part that I'm going to be reading from, which is in Isaiah 58, very likely was, a, um, was written probably after exile, or at least at the, the final portion of, of exile, and it was when a whole other generation of people uh, from those who went into exile are now coming back into uh, the, the Yehud province from, from Babylon, and they're trying to get their religious life organized once again. And this would have been done under the priests and under the scribes, not under the kings, because the kings don't exist anymore. And so there is a, a passage in Isaiah 58 um, and if you've taken any of my Old Testament classes, you already know this. <laughs> right, th th this is a really important chapter, uh, certainly in Isaiah, but probably in the entire Bible. Um, because it begins with people saying, God, we're praying, but you're not listening. Why? How come? I mean, all these really, you know, things that, that, that we have done, right? We have, we have fasted, and we have humbled ourselves, and we have, um, you know, done the feast days. We've done all that. So why aren't you listening? You know, or what is it? Please tell us <laughs> what it is that we're doing. Wrong, because we thought we'd done everything that you want us to do. And the prophet says in, chapter, in verse 5 of Isaiah 58, is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? A day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide for the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly, will quickly appear. 
then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your real guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. Their idea of fasting was the wrong idea. Right? Their idea of fasting was very self-focused. It was very individualistic, perhaps communal if people did it together. But it was the whole idea of you know, bowing your head, um, treating your, your um, body with severity by sitting in, in de- uh, sackcloth in ashes. It was an insular, insulated kind of activity. And, and God, through the prophet, says, wait a minute, that's not what I meant. That's not what this is. What it is, is sharing your food with the hungry, providing the poor with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them, not turn away from your own flesh and blood. That's what real fasting is. Does that come as a surprise? I think it kind of does. I know when I first was introduced to this patch was in graduate school, I thought I picked up the wrong Bible. You know, it's like, what, what? You know, I mean, I'd heard all this thing about, well, the fasting was an Old Testament practice. It's not, you know, all of that. But I'd never heard what it really was, just like I'd never really heard what the tithe was for, right? And I think th- this whole idea of feasting and fasting are, are, are things that, and I'm talking about the larger Christian community, broadly speaking, has internalized concepts that are pretty culturally um, colored because they're so individualistic when really these are both things I think is, is we're seeing that have to do with reaching out to other people and so when the when we think about fasting this is a time once again where we actually have to see who is suffering and provide for them right the fast is a time when we become aware, just like celebration. We become aware of who is it around us? Who is it in our community? Who is it in our city who are in pain? Who are the people who don't have enough? Who are the people who are emotionally suffering? Who are the people on the outside? Who are the people who don't have the social connections that we might, but who very badly need them, right? This is the fast, is to notice and then provide. And what the prophet is saying, once the people of God turn from this very self-focused way of fasting to this way of reaching out as the true fast, right, The consequence of that is then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear, right? The answer is given. You want God's blessings? Well, then let the heart of God flow through you. If a church wants to be blessed, let the heart of God, who includes everyone, who is there to reach out to those in need, who is there to give the father to the fatherless, to provide provisions for the poor, right? Let that heart flow through, and then the light will shine. Then the healing will appear. We move over to the book of Luke now, and we see Jesus 
the one who came to show us the heart of God, as we have sung about this morning. What does Jesus have to say about this? Well, in Luke 14, there's a whole series of stories, we're going to read all of them, but a whole series of teachings about giving a feast, giving a meal, right? And in chapter 14, in verses 12 through 14, Jesus says this. Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus as the one who comes to show us the heart of God, who comes as the fulfillment of the law. When he talks about banquets, we hear what the prophet said about fasting, and we hear what the prophet said, and what the, the Deuteronomist said about feasting, right? When you give a banquet, invite, invite the poor, invite the people who have needs, invite, look and see the people who don't have anything, who, who need that connection, the lame, the blind, the crippled, and then you will be blessed. And so one of the things Luke does in this whole section, it actually begins with his teaching back in the sixth chapter on Luke's version of, on, of the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the things that he says in here, in the Sermon on the Mount, is he draws a comparison between, so what's the difference? At the end of the day, right, when it's all said and done, what is the difference between a Christian, a Christ-centered community, a kingdom-centered community, and any other community? Right, let's just take it down to Brat, just get down to the, cut to the chase. What's the difference? And in, in, in the Gospel of Luke is, well, if you love those who love you back, even sinners do that. And if you give to those who give back, well, yeah, <laughs> anybody can do that, right? But to, love, to return love for those who hate you and, and curse you, to give to those who cannot give back to you, to extend yourself to those who cannot repay that is different. And Jesus would say, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And here Jesus puts his finger on the heart of all of this, right? It's the mercy of God. And I think one of the questions when we think about, okay, feasting and fasting, inviting the poor, inviting the lame, making a place for everyone at the table, Am I doing this to fulfill a law? 
or am I doing this to show God's mercy? How full am I? How full are we of the mercy of God? Now, this is an astonishing statement, I think. I come back to this over and over and over again because it's so to the core of who we're supposed to be as the people of God. He says, for God is kind to who? To whom? Everybody who reads the law, everybody who studies the Torah, everybody who does the right thing, everybody who goes to church. Is God kind to all the people who do the right things, believe all the right things, live the right, all that? Is that who he's kind to? No, that's not what Jesus says. He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Were it not for the heart of God who was kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, none of us would have a chance. Amen? None of us would. We all are ungrateful. We are all wicked in some ways. Some seen and a lot of things never seen, at least not to people around us, but we are. And this is the heart of God that he wants to flow through us and the way to get there, a path to get there, a discipline to help us do this is through giving feasts and inviting everyone and fasting, which is a time where we intentionally go and find the people who need help out of a heart of mercy. So, as we conclude, how do we, let me just get a few things that that work for me, to, to get me back on track when I stray horribly from this. The first one is, is the discipline of seeing people. There's a lot of people that we are around every day that are invisible to us because we just simply haven't noticed them. They're there, but we haven't noticed them. There are a lot of people who have needs because we don't, we don't see them, but, but we're not around people that have needs, right? You may be sitting here this morning like I have thought many times. I thought, well, if I look at where I work, where I live, my circle of friends, my, um, the, the things that I like to do for, you know, my hobbies and avocations and things like that, I'm not really around people that are really suffering. Well, maybe we need to go where they are. Maybe we need to go look. Maybe we need to see them. Um, as Kelly was making the announcements this morning, the, the work that you're doing in downtown Oklahoma City, I mean, that's fantastic. You're going to see people, right? The, the, the people who are migrants, you're going to see them, right? And you're going to interact with them, and you're going to get to see their face. This beautiful creation of God, you will see it and have an opportunity to respond with mercy. I want to just say a quick story about one of my former students who is in this room, and I, I won't embarrass them by saying the name, but in my second year of teaching at OC, this person uh, was in my class, in my, um, Gen my Torah class, Genesis to Deuteronomy class, and one of the assignments was to take an aspect of the law that had to do with reaching others and find a way to action that in your social world. 
And this person and the others in the group, this is what they did. They chose the passage that, talk about, that talked about providing for the stranger that lives at, lives at the edge of your property. It's a, a law in Leviticus. So how to provide for strangers that are among us, but people that we don't normally see. How do you do that? Here's what they did. They rented a van. They went to downtown Oklahoma City, and they filled that van with people who were on the street who didn't have any place to stay or place to eat. They brought those people back to OC, and they used their meal cards to feed them. Isn't that great? <laughs> I mean, first of all, that checks all the creativity boxes, but <laughs> it's like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. But to the point, it showed the heart of my students. They have a heart. This is what God's calling us to do, right? It is to, is to see people and see who they are. The other thing, that, the other way of seeing are to, to actually see people for who they are that live in our midst that are sometimes invisible. There are people probably in this room, I'm sure in, in your circle that you know, people who are really, really suffering for all kinds of reasons. But it's very carefully managed and masked. Here's the thing about masks. Eventually, they wear out and fall off. This is why it is so important to have real community and a fellowship so that we can get to know people, so that we can build circles of trust, so that people will feel safe in talking about what is going on in their lives. This is at the core of who we're supposed to be. It takes a while for people to be comfortable sharing their needs. But this is a part of what we're called to be as the people of God. If we are not growing continually, in the heart of God that is centered in mercy and love and compassion, then why are we here? <laughs> the mercy of God is not given to me to hoard. It is given to me to share. And that takes daily practice, and it takes daily commitment, and it takes prayer. Lord, make me this person of mercy and compassion and then see who god brings our way the feasting and the fasting these are disciplines when practiced that help us get there the second thing is to make space for the people that we see i'm going to speak for myself i'm not going to speak for anybody else but one of the biggest things i struggle with in actioning what i'm talking about this morning is that my life is too busy i am overscheduled. <laughs> right? It takes a lot for me to, to think about how am I going to make space for the people that I run into who really need my time? Well, the way to do that is to think about that first before I think about a lot of other things. To make a space in the week, to make time for the coffee, for the lunch, for the things that, that may come my way that I don't know anything about at the beginning of the week. But it's to make space to meet the need of the people that come our way. 
And the last thing is to share what we have. I think there's a lot of times when we think about, okay, I hear this, I hear about, um, you know, when we, when we give our celebrations and when we, um, and when we have our, our big gatherings and our parties, yes, we want to invite people, and, and, and we want to have people into our homes, and yeah, I mean, it, it all sounds really good, right? But then probably our next little thought is, wow, it's going to take so much work, and it's going to take so much time, and I just have the energy. I'm just so worn out. It's just, you know, I get that. <laughs> I know this. I live this. But here's the thing. I don't, here's the thing about the grace of God, right? The grace of God is inexhaustible. We are exhaustible. The grace of God is not. If we are seeking to serve in, in, in the way of God, God will give us the energy, the grace, and the mercy if we make time for it, and if we let him do it, and if we give ourselves and say, okay, I surrender. <laughs> let me have, give me what I need to meet this particular need. And it's, it's to share what we have. It's to share what, the, what God is going to give us for this. It's going to, it means to share what, we, what we're able to share, what we have, right? And from that, God's blessings are going to come. Celebrations, fasting, these are two ways that God enables us to see others and to bless others and so be blessed ourselves. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy that is inexhaustible. Lord, this morning, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for just not knowing that we exist, but for seeing into who we are and for loving us with an inexhaustible love and grace and mercy. Lord, today, release us. Help us to surrender. Help us to receive what you want to give to us so that we can then go and bless others. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.